Hey, so that uh, cat's <laughs> that cat's trailer looks pretty fucking awful, huh? Can't wait. <laughs> did, did you see it? I did. Uh, hello, welcome to Women on Top. This is Kristen and Sarah. Hey, hey. So cats. Wow. Um. Wow. 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 Yeah. What is there to say that hasn't been said of cats? <laughs> it's just. It's creepy looking. Yep. <laughs> and I feel like it's poorly d- done. Like, why did you just, I don't know, just put them in little furry costumes? Well, I don't know. This CGI is awful. <laughs> I'd like to know who asked for that. I'm just really surprised because Tom Hooper did King Speech and he did Les Mis. And he's a very good director. But I felt, you know, why don't we leave this to, um, what's his name? Either Bob Condon, who did Dreamgirls, or... Rob Marshall, yeah. who did uh, Chicago. Yeah, that what, probably would be better. <laughs> why don't we leave that to them? Because they seem to do Broadway very, very well. Yeah. Uh, and so I just thought, like, yeah, it's this is bad. This is super bad. And uh, I, I just, like, I see this being a huge bomb. Huge. Well, I see it bombing initially, and then it's going to be, like, showgirls. Right, and it's going to be a a much loved cult classic. Ooh, isn't that an interesting perspective? I wish I could share your positive uh, your positive outlook. Well, it's not going to make any money. <laughs> it's just people are going to watch it ironically once it is released. Um, I think so. Yeah, and yeah, the, they'll make memes of it, memes, mm-hmm. memes, whatever. Yeah. So we're going to do a dating sandwich today, Sarah. Yum. Yum. <laughs> Um, or blah, because based on the stories I'm going to tell. So let's start off with my company. We're now doing online speed dating events using that MetYet platform. And now I love the concept because instead of going to a speed dating event and, and you know commuting in two hours and, and having to talk to people, and now you have an option to just sort of do what you do online with dating apps, but these are all real and they're all active and they're no you know, there are no fake profiles. Okay. And so you can just scroll through and you can see whoever you like and just start messaging. I don't see what could go wrong. See, it's funny you say that because, <laughs> <laughs> because you'd, be, you'd be surprised. So I wrote out a very detailed uh, instruction like sheet <laughs> for how to log in, how to create your profile. And then I wrote a uh, profile tip sheet. Oh. And one of those things were uh, was no bathroom selfies, mm. no pictures of you in the front seat of your car, no pictures of you at work, no pictures of you from your computer, recent photos, make sure they're close up to you, make sure they're well lit. Look, man, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, there, there are some people that call me a dating expert. What's the, <laughs> what's the problem with car photos? Is it just that you can't see the body? No, it's just, why are you taking pictures of yourself while you're in a car? <laughs> okay. Well, hopefully in park. <laughs> I, <laughs> the hair blowing and the cheeks all like wrinkled. Yes. So, and I always review the profiles before I make them live because I want to make sure everything's, you know, there's nothing to, nothing problematic. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, um, Pretty much everybody just ignored the tips that I gave them. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, so there are a ton of pictures, and I'm very clear, full body shot, no sitting down. Yep. Sitting down. Oh, look at the bathroom selfie. Cool, 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 cool. Oh, look at how these darkly lit. Oh, and look at this one. Sweetie, that's a good 15 years old. And if you think people aren't going to see that. So I just sort of face palmed and said, you know what? Um, it's up to God now. <laughs> let's just leave, let's just leave it up to him. Okay. <laughs> We're going to let go and let God. We're going to let go and let God on this one. Huh. And... Here's something else. So I always create a organizer profile to be in every event uh, so I can view profiles mm -hmm. and just, just be in there so that I can contact anybody if I have to. And my profile <laughs> says in the bio, this is the organizer. This is for administrative purposes. The photos, one's a GIF. One is, uh, a, I think, uh, a woman in a, like a, a workout strap workout top. She's like in maybe late twenties. She's, she's modeling a workout top. And the other is, uh, a, an Asian woman. Okay. Now clearly none of these are me, right? And clearly, well, clearly these they're are, not the same person. Clearly they're not the same person. I can't tell you how many I logged in. I had three messages from men. Hey, you make 50 look good. <laughs> like what? It wouldn't, did you not? <laughs> they they didn't. either they didn't <laughs> they didn't read the bio. No, and the photos, dude. That's like clearly, clearly, clearly a stock photo. Maybe you could make it clearer. Maybe you could get a woman laughing at a salad. <laughs> Maybe, and then there and then there was another one. I created another profile. Now this was Taylor Swift when she was doing a, a Saturday Night Live skit. So she's in glasses and braces and her hair and pigtails, and I think she's like got her nose taped up or something. She looks like a dork. Uh huh. I get an email from somebody. I can't place the face. You look familiar. Hmm. Yeah. And well, that's. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. I, I, it's true. <laughs> She does look familiar because she's Taylor Swift. <laughs> so I just get kind of, I, I just don't understand. I mean, I do. People just don't pay attention. And like you said, when we started this, you know, this is has to be what your life is like. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's in the syllabus. <laughs> I, the okay. When, is in the syllabus. <laughs> right. And I get, uh, now, okay. I wrote an event description. I wrote, I put this event description in the order confirmation. Uh -huh. Then I sent a reminder email with the the instructions yesterday and today. Uh huh. Okay. 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 Uh -huh. Guess how many emails I got asking, what do I do? At least 30. I, I, there were like a couple. Well, okay. what code do I put in? You put in the code that I just gave you in the text before the one you just replied to. And here's the thing. When I was in ninth grade, I went to private school. I had a teacher named Mrs. Allenberg. Mm -hmm. And whenever we would turn in a test or homework, we were instructed that our name was to go at the upper right corner of the paper. And if it didn't, we'd lose two points. Okay. She wasn't kidding. And the reason she did that was she said, you need to learn how to follow directions and how important it is to follow directions. And so ever since then, 
that's always sort of stuck in my mind. I don't get it. And and so when people, you know, this other guy, a guy emailed me, he's like, well, I sent out a bunch of messages and, and nobody responded. And his profile was a mess. Yeah. And I said, you posted a bunch of really like, what's the word I use? I didn't say unattractive, unappealing. You posted unappealing photos and you didn't fill out your bio. The way you, and this is why nobody was responding to you. Well, one of the reasons, maybe they just weren't into, I don't know. But if you don't make the effort, no one is going to respond to you. Yeah. Hence your very helpful directions. <sighs> Whatever. You know what, man? <laughs> but this is, so when people complain about, well, online dating doesn't work for me. I know why. Yeah. I know why it's not working. Because you're not following directions. Every decision you're making is counterintuitive. Yeah. You're just not paying enough attention. Right. But they're also not considering the other person. They're not thinking about, okay, what, what are they going to see? Right. Right. They, because they don't know how to do that. They don't know how to, they're not being objective. Yeah. I wonder if some of this is rooted in anxiety. I think some people are, are just careless or idiots or both, but mm -hmm. some people, I think, um, this kind of like, uh, it's kind of like a learned helplessness kind of thing where uh -huh. you get directions and you do your best to follow them, right? You execute the task and then immediately follow up with the person who gave you the directions to ask if that was right. And I, I think that is rooted in anxiety, but only if the person follows the directions <laughs> in the first place. Right. You know, but, and I do think a lot of it comes with it's, you know, and I've said this to people before when people show up and say, when they say, well, people show up on my date and they, they're much older or they're much heavier and they're this. And I, what I say is, you know, when they get upset about people, oh, he's actually only 5'6 and he said he was 5'8 or she's, you know, 49, but she said she was 45. You know, these are not, these are not malicious choices. Right. These are just people who want a chance. They just want a chance, like all of us. Yeah, you know, it's, it's so surprising, too, to hear that people look at your stock photos and think that's you. Right. Because who can't, who doesn't spend enough time on the internet to recognize a stock photo, for one thing, right? And then also, who sees one photo and messages without clicking through the rest of them? Right. Well, uh, people on but here's the thing. That's that's what happens on these dating apps. So I, just so everybody knows, I wrote up a whole six or seven page tutorial on how to how to succeed at these apps. And I'm going to figure out a way to make it downloadable and I'll make it like 99 cents. Sorry. You know, I know people want it for free, but I like to be paid for my work. And so it's very helpful. I'm going to post it. But people do that. They it's don't scroll they through don't the photos. They don't look at all the photos. They swipe, 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 match. And then either then they look at all the photos or once you start messaging, then they go back and look at the photos. Huh. That's wow. why there's so much ghosting. That and the fact that the profiles are just dead. Yeah. Well, I, wow. I am not on them, but I would look at all the photos. <laughs> right. <laughs> because I think with photos, you you get a general sense of who you might meet. Mm -hmm. But you have to go into it thinking like, oh, maybe that picture is a year old. Maybe they have a different haircut. Maybe they gained or lost five pounds. You know what I mean? And like, just just know that 
generally that's who you're going to meet. I don't know. Uh, Is that unreasonable? Is that too generous? That's how I feel like I would approach it. Dude, I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, I was just reading an email that I got from someone, again, asking, like, I don't know where to create my profile. My God. I... Hmm. It's right. Please don't make like. <laughs> is there a and, button and, that says "Create Profile"? <laughs> but see, and this is the thing because I was like, "Oh, I forgot that I have this tonight. And I have to record, and I know it's going to be a nightmare." Because and, and I dread these events because I know it's just going to be a constant stream of emails and texts from people. But in any case, let's move on to Big Little Lies since we're okay. on a roll. <laughs> since we're on a roll, um, wow. That suck. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. so underwhelming. Really was, really was. And Renata was just made into a caricature. She the, she was written, you know, given dialogue so that she could become a meme, and that's it. Yeah, and that's too bad because last year it was such a it was a more multifaceted character because you really felt for her. She was this like just incredibly abrasive, aggressive, take no prisoners person. And then when it came to her kid, like we saw this other side of this, this deathly afraid of this young girl being hurt. Yeah. I mean, she was a more well-rounded character in episodes two and three. Right. (laughs) Right. I think they just, I don't know. They, I I feel like two whole episodes were wasted with filler and Mm -hmm. beginning new threads that didn't go anywhere. And then we had to quickly wrap it up last Sunday. Right. Now, you, I think I mentioned this last time. Andrea Arnold is the director, and right. she had a lot of the creative control stolen from her by Mark Valley. Yeah. So a lot of scenes were cut, and they said that's why so many of the episodes were so short. Okay. It did, yeah. it did feel very disjointed. Yeah, very disjointed. And uh, I thought the Madeline and Ed, the vow renewal, come on, man. Like, you don't just get over something like your your partner cheating on you after a month. You don't. Uh, no. 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 <laughs> but actually, this season, I thought the MVP was uh, Bonnie. Yeah, despite the fact that they gave her nothing to do other than... Until the last couple episodes. Right. She... <laughs> but I love the fact that she told Nathan, I don't love you. Good. Good. Yes. Well, good, except I I would have, I think I would have liked that more if the whole series didn't culminate in the rest of the characters escorting her to prison, <laughs> basically. Like, they're all walking into the police station, but ultimately Bonnie's going to confess and... I don't know. It's great that she's free of Nathan, but on the other hand, now she's most likely going to jail. Do you think so? <sighs> yeah. Real, well, you know what? Actually, we have to consider the fact she's a black woman. I so, I did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I see that. Yeah. I think if she had been white, it would have been different. Right. And she pushed a white man down the stairs. And she pushed a white man down the stairs. And she said very clear. And I remember this. I remember saying to somebody, I said, that was, she wasn't protecting Celeste. She wanted to kill him. She was, that was, she was triggered. Right. And she admits it. She said, I, I pushed him, but I was pushing you. And she's talking yeah. to her mother. So I thought we finally saw more from Bonnie. And I love Zoe Kravitz just because I love Lenny Kravitz. And uh, I just, yeah, I thought she had a good season. I what bothers me is 
Now, Reese Witherspoon's a producer. Why didn't Reese Witherspoon step in with this whole deal with Andrea Arnold having control taken away from her? I really don't know. There's, There's got to be... I'm sure there was more to it than that. So I'm sure yeah. I'm being reductive. But anywho, goodbye, big little... Big little lies. You know what I mean? Just, uh... Shailene Woodley got bangs for nothing. For nothing. God damn it. Oh, I wish I had... I lost all my soundboards. I would have played, uh... I don't know. Bye. So... <laughs> <laughs> Bye, big little lies. Now, let's talk about forgiveness. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're whipping through this, people. Yeah. <laughs> so, you sent me an article. Mm-hmm. From Medium by a woman okay. named Sophie by Sophie King, yep. and the title was "How the Concept of Forgiveness Is Used to Gaslight Women." Mm-hmm. And go, <laughs> well, according to this author, um, women are expected to forgive more frequently than men are, right? And if a woman chooses not to forgive or is unable to forgive. Uh, she's accused she's called names essentially right she's accused of being bitter um she's uh can't let go can't get over it um scorned woman so on and so forth and uh you know basically the author was just saying that um men can choose not to forgive and we don't have any names for that um and i i don't know i thought that was a good point you um, investigated her. <laughs> a little, a little I didn't more. investigate her. I just clicked and, uh, on her bio. Well, and you, you went through the archives a little bit more than I did. And uh, here's what I found. I found uh, another uh, essay she wrote called why any woman can end up in a toxic relationship. Mm-hmm. And then how the concept of forgiveness is weaponized to avoid holding the perpetrator accountable. Wow. That's very, a long time. Very similar. Yeah. <laughs> when forgiveness is only expected from the oppressed. Yeah, all right. We've got a theme. And, and how the concept of forgiveness is used to gaslight women. So yeah. are we so sensing a theme here? We have a theme, yeah. Um, which is unfortunate, because I, I thought it was kind of an interesting point. Um, but I I mean, you know, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call her any of the names that she supplied in her article, but it definitely seems like she's going through something um that she's still in the middle of <laughs> and is, is not yet through it. And is uh, and look, there's nothing wrong with that because no. like we don't get to tell somebody how to process pain or hurt. And we don't get to say, well, you should be over this by now. Yeah. I'm not even, I, I wouldn't even say you have an obligation to forgive ever. No, ever, ever. No. And yeah, that, um, I guess it does. I, I guess it is weaponized towards women more often than men. Yeah. But this just felt a little bit like she's trying to make something that's not a thing, a thing. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I think it it is a thing, but I, I think that it's not the thing that she thinks it is. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That, that may be true. And given her, um, focus on the thing, (laughs) um, I think we've we've got a little bit of an unreliable narrator here. A bit of, and and this is sort of how I feel. Whenever I, I'll read an essay, and before I comment, I typically will click on the bio to see if what else they've written, so I can get an idea, I can get some context. And if I see that they've written essay after essay after essay about essentially the same thing, 
immediately I'll know they're working something out publicly, which shows not the greatest judgment. Sure. And, and they're still raw. And so I don't know how reliable they are. Yeah. You know, that's, that's fair. And that doesn't mean don't write about it publicly, do it, but do it when you know you're in a place where you can be objective and when you're perfectly okay with whatever you're putting out there and, and, and okay knowing that it, it's going to be out there forever and that you might never get to take it down. Yeah. It's the yeah. internet. It's yeah. Forever. It's the internet. It's forever, bitches. <laughs> so, the, the, but forgiveness, you know, I was saying this to you before we started. You know, I think of, I think of my sisters and my sisters don't really understand why I wanted them to defend me against my abuser, which is, you know, somebody they knew. And they knew not only him, but his family. And they didn't defend me. And I remember one sister saying, well, that's up to you. Like, why don't you go say something to so-and-so? And I said, no, it's not up to me. And whenever this topic comes up when I'm talking to one sister, and, and I, you know, she can tell that I'm just... I'm, I'm kind of unyielding in my opinion about mm-hmm. certain things. You know, she'll say, you know, Kristen, I mean, you, I think you need to get past this and da, da, da. And it's not an issue of getting past it for me. It's not about forgiveness because I have accepted that my sisters do not have the emotional intelligence or the capacity for empathy required to truly understand why that hurt me yeah so so is there a position that um that it's it's your deal because you're an adult do you think they would respond differently if you were all still children uh teenagers yeah they weren't even teenagers when it happened they were much older um not much older they were in their 20s um I, i you know i don't I don't know. I don't know what how to answer that. Okay. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think I, that matters. I mean, just just in the interest of fairness, I still completely understand why you would want them to side with you and defend you mm-hmm. and speak about it. But I think it is more understandable if their position is, well, you're an adult, so now it's in your hands. I, I mean, I also think that's a way of dodging it. <laughs> yeah, it is a way of dodging it. But um, in, in any case, they they just don't have the empathy needed. Same thing with Gareth. Gareth has he'll he'll apologize and apologize and apologize. Oh, does he? Does uh, no, he not still, not still. But he and that's just it. He, <laughs> he <laughs> it's he does it in his way. Mm. But again, like the last time I got one of his missive apology emails. I just never responded. And that was such a huge thing for me. And it was because I just resigned myself to the fact of he's never going to get it. He's just never going to get it. He's not emotionally intelligent. He's not emotionally evolved. He's not self-actualized. Right. And I almost can't hold him accountable. I mean, I can, (laughs) but I can, but I can't, I can only expect so much from him. And I just stopped expecting anything from him and just said, is that the same as forgiveness or is that a stand in in this case? And is it, is it just as good? 
it's not forgiveness. And, and, the, and I really, I went back and forth. I'm like, well, what is this? I, I think the word stand in is really, is, is really good. It's, it's not about forgiving somebody because once I acknowledge that they have no idea what they did, mm-hmm. that it, it almost, it almost does wave them a responsibility a bit. I know that's, I know that's, <laughs> that's not sitting well with you. <laughs> It's not going to hold up in court. It's not going to hold up in court. I guess, you know what it really came down to? I was just fucking tired of hating him. Yeah. I was just tired of it. It was not, uh, it wasn't helping me heal. It wasn't helping me grow. It was just keeping me stuck. Yeah. I think that's what people usually mean when they talk about forgiveness. Yeah. That's like, you're not, you're not doing it to make them feel better. You're doing it. But let's be clear. It's not easy to forgive. No, it's, it's not a simple concept. You know, depending on what our, all of our individual stories are and depending, it doesn't, you can't just go, okay, sure. No problem. And just get over it. It's not like that. You know, if someone wrongs you and it's very different, like, look, if someone, if someone physically hurts you, if someone does something truly, like, really damaging, like, revenge porn, fuck it. No, you can hold a grudge for the, till you, your last breath, and I would see nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But when there's situations where, oh, you know, we were supposed to go out the other night, and she blew me off to go out with her boyfriend. Okay, you're allowed to be hurt over that, but let the punishment fit the crime, in my eyes. But and to that person... There could be something in her background that leads her to be really hurt by that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's all sort of subjective, I guess is what I'm saying. Is that it's what somebody does to one person, they might say, oh, just just get over it or just forget it or just forgive her. Right. And to another person, it's it's a deep wound. Right. Or it's just unforgivable. Or it's just unforgivable. And it is what it is. And just because someone can't, can't forgive doesn't mean they can't move on. For me, I couldn't. Yeah. I think forgiveness is overrated because <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you why I've thought about it. Um, because as you know, I, I consume a lot of true crime media and I, and so I hear a lot of families of victims telling, telling these murderers that they forgive them. And I always think like, uh, Okay, good, good if that's what you really want. But I suspect that for me, it would take just as much time mm-hmm. to forgive as it would to just get over. And I don't, I don't think those are the same things. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that there's power in not forgiving. Um, and so, you know, all things being equal in terms of time investment, I'm going to call forgiveness overrated. But that's just my view. Well, okay. <laughs> I feel like we've beaten that one to death. So- All right. <laughs> Do you have any uh, final words? Um. So on. Yeah, a little bit. Um. And this may. This hopefully this won't open like a huger, uh, much bigger thing. But there is a documentary about forgiveness. <laughs> it's called As We Forgive. Um and Mia Mia Farrow did it Oof. and she um do you know this no but I'm trying to imagine Mia Farrow like that's one of the fuck it you don't ever have to forgive him 
You know well, what I mean? Not, it's not about him. Um, what it is about is the Rwandan genocide. Uh-huh. And okay. um, so she so she goes to Rwanda and, and is interviewing people because basically after the genocide, the jails were too full. And so the government at the time was like, we don't, we don't really have a plan for these people. So you're all just going to have to forgive them. And that was the plan. And so um, she went around talking to people about, you know, how that was going and how, how it was to sit down and confront the person that murdered your entire family. And some people, some people agreed with me, but some people were more forgiving. So I think that's an interesting uh interesting film. It's a, it's a it's, I think <laughs> it's just goodness. It's a very personal journey for people. I think forgiveness is a very personal journey. I think so too. And that's that's what is so striking about that film is that like that was the that was the plan. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like they they sent out um um people i don't know if they were in the peace corps but they were um like volunteers they sent out uh mediators mm-hmm. and the, you know everybody everybody was supposed to confront and and just move on and it was pretty wild yikes okay you ready yeah <laughs> not, that, not that that wasn't profound it was I'm just looking at the clock okay <laughs> i'm sorry is that shitty okay. was that shitty of me i'm sorry no Okay. Not everyone's going to watch that movie, but if you know, if it's a, if forgiveness is an interesting topic, that's a good film. So. Okay. So now let's get to today's letter. And before I say this, I want to keep in mind that this letter was written by the same woman who got stiffed for dinner. You're telling me that now? I know. <laughs> I didn't want to tell you that before, before you read Why? it. <laughs> so okay this is a long one i'm gonna condense it i i might you know i'm gonna skim and paraphrase okay. a lot so okay. here we go a 47 year old recently contacted me online we proceeded to have long intense conversation over the next two weeks we were both overwhelmed with work hence the delay in meeting he was evolved polite intelligent etc cetera, etc cetera. He'd left his 11-year unhappy marriage to a woman with borderline personality disorder his next girlfriend of six years abruptly dumped him whom who he deemed a narcissist and he was blindsided about a year later he posted a profile on a dating site where he met his next two girlfriends both 25 so okay <laughs> let's take that in uh okay let's see now she goes on to list a lot of things that identify him you figured out who it was after like two minutes i think so it was very quick and what's funny is that i looked back and she had written an email saying can you change some of the stuff to make it less identifiable she knew what she was doing. This was It was very oh, intentional. Yeah. She knew what she was doing. Yeah. So she says, we meet. He's even more attractive, interested, and charismatic than I expected. I, on the other hand, was feeling a bit insecure and was exhausted. I should have postponed the date. We still had fun. He invited me up to his apartment, which was in Soho and impeccable. Amazing sex. In fact, the best sex I ever had. I contacted him a few times over the weekend, and we engaged in some idle chit-chat. But I requested a call, which was not returned. We then spoke again, and he said he could speak the following day and called me after I asked him if he was busy and could speak that day. I was in a state of high, high anxiety waiting to speak with him again. It was intolerable. I became way too attached far too fast, and I don't know how to prevent this from happening. I understand that I have to chill out and leave the ball in his court, but until I heard from him, I had horrid anxiety. 
This is going to work against me always, and I don't know how to control it. We spoke for a while. We're disconnected. He called back. And when I suggested meeting later this week, he said he was far too busy over the next two weeks and would be would be for some time. And it was simply too late tonight. I know that he is busy. I don't doubt that. He's working on another something, something makes him identifiable. <laughs> Clearly, he's not interested. I point blank ask him what he wants and why he initiated a relationship that he couldn't sustain. And he said he had just far, just too far extended himself professionally. I apologize for putting him on the spot. I suppose that if I point blank asked, maybe I'd, maybe I'd get the answer I wanted to hear. I don't know what you meant by that. He said it was, either. he said it was healthy that we were having the conversation that it was an adult thing to do and that he simply couldn't devote the time to me that he needed. He said he had no idea if we were a potential match since we had only met once. We then hung up and I immediately sent him an email saying, I get it. I can read between the lines and apologize for backing him into a corner. I said that I know he was being kind and trying to spare my feelings and that I was, and that I would have handled it in a similar manner. I did borrow his mittens and leave my hat at his house inadvertently. Mm -hmm. And he explained on the phone that we did need to exchange them. I closed my email by letting, by letting him Letting him, I closed my email by letting him know what, what was the best time to exchange and said if we could cross paths again, it would be great. No response. I have to go home tomorrow and told him I couldn't be home for a few weeks, that I wouldn't be home for a few weeks, and I couldn't get his gloves to him until then, which he needs. Mm-hmm. I closed by saying we should go to a tapas bar. We've both been to Spain several times when his schedule loosens up. This was several hours ago. No response. When he first contacted me, he had mentioned that even if there wasn't a romantic connection, that he thought we could still have a valuable friendship. I feel horrible. Hold on. I got lost in this one. Uh, I feel this was several. I feel horrible and depressed and can't stop thinking about what he found wrong with me, why he didn't want to move forward after we had a great night. The day after I did his day after our date, I thanked him for the date, said I had fun and replied that he had fun too and thanked me for coming out and staying over, but didn't suggest a future date. At that point, I should have just waited for him to contact me again because the writing was on the wall, correct? I suspect that he would have been open to remaining friends, and I want to believe that I could, but the reality is that it would just be torture for me. Okay, so uh, let's see. Uh, And then she says that he did finally reply to that email, and he called two days later, but only after she had requested it. I tried to keep my last email casual and brief, you know, breezy, I don't know. I don't know where I went wrong, and I don't want to repeat the same mistakes. Nor do I want to give in to this desire to speak to the guy for confirmation the next day that he had fun. Waiting in limbo is awful, and now I can't stop thinking about him. I suppose I should start dating again to distract myself and remind myself that he's not the only man in New York City. But I fear everyone will pale in comparison. I know this message is disjointed and contains irrelevant information, but I don't want to sabotage the chance for a second date again. And I believe that would have been possibility when his schedule relaxed. Should I be dating several men at once to maintain perspective? And she's like, I don't know. I know dating requires a strategy, but I don't know where to start. Okay. So um, I read this mm-hmm. and uh what I heard, no, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, because now we're delving into an area that, you know, I just, I just have to be very careful about what I say. Okay. What I heard, this to me shows signs of, uh, an attachment style that is maladaptive. 
And let's quickly go through attachment styles. There are four types. There's secure. There is uh, anxious, preoccupied. Mm -hmm. There is um, dismissive, avoidant. And there is, uh, what is it? Anxious, avoidant. So fearful, avoidant. There's, there's the other one. That's the last one. Oh, so okay. anxious, so secure, anxious, preoccupied, dismissive, avoidant, and fearful, avoidant. So the, the first one I'm guessing is exactly what it sounds exactly like. Exactly what it sounds like. Now, attachment styles start from infancy up until you're about seven years old. That's when we, that's when we form our ability to attach to other people. That's how we, that's when we learn. Mm-hmm. And secure attachment style denotes a childhood where the parents met the child's needs they were accessible, they were consistent, and the, the child grew up to have a healthy sense of self-esteem and they were, it, trusting was easier for them. And so, and they had a better identity and sense of who they were. And so they were better able to make relationships. They were, they were more, relationships, making relationships were much easier. Is that, oh, that can't always be true, right? There have to be people from loving, secure homes who are terrible at relationships. Uh, sure. I mean, sure. I, I mean, lots of people are terrible at a relationship that had a great upbringing. Um, but I, in okay. this case, this- just, I don't want to, I don't want to put this all on parents. I, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. Like the, those first seven years obviously are important, but I just think, you know, romantic relationships are a totally different animal. Um, okay. We're going to agree to disagree on that one. So, uh, what I know, what I sense from her, like she shows signs of being the anxious preoccupied of the, having that kind of attachment style. And that comes from parents being, uh, inaccessible, not present, not meeting the child's needs, but most importantly, it, it's denotes parents being very inconsistent. So parents with a substance abuse problem or parents with, uh, emotional problems or mental illness that goes undiagnosed. They're inconsistent. One day they're up, the other day they're down. And so the child never knows, you know, they never know what to seek. Should they ask the parents? Should they, for for something, should they not? So they're always unbalanced, but they're always craving that, that approval. And they, when it comes to relationships, they become very clingy. They need constant reassurance. They get very anxious and, that's what I heard in this letter. Like sometimes there are letters where you just want to go, okay, here's where you fucked up. <laughs> and then there are sometimes where it's so clear to me or really seems to me that there's more to this. This isn't a simple, oh, I just, you know, called him a bunch of times, mm-hmm. which she did, but she did it almost, she did it almost compulsively, it seems. And when yeah. she said, I don't, how do I, what do I do? How do I fix this? And the, you know, we'll get to that in a second. I want to hear what you think of the letter itself. Um, well, I, I took it, um, more a face value. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, wasn't, wasn't really thinking about her childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely do get insecurity from this letter. Um, but I thought, Basically, that this this is a this is a woman who met a big fish, mm-hmm. 
and he probably was out of her league, but that he at least was open to meeting her and um, she was an option to him. Mm-hmm. So it, it almost seemed like she talked him out of dating her by being so needy. Um, that was, that was my read on it. I, I think that obviously he was open to meeting her. He was obviously somewhat interested, but that she was an option and he has a few mm-hmm. and she just sort of dug her heels in because he was such a catch right. in her eyes um, that she kind of scared him away <laughs> because she got way too too interested too quickly, mm-hmm. called him compulsively, left stuff at his house. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also is, is um, not responding to his, Cues. Yeah, to his cues. Yeah, like she's, you know, it's it's clear that she talked him out of dating her. Okay, but then she's like, "Well, let's meet. Let's meet at a tapas restaurant." Yeah, he, he doesn't want to meet at a tapas right. restaurant. She was. <laughs> she, see, I'm going to disagree with you that um, she talked him out of dating her because what I think is this guy knew all along what he was going to do. He knew all along. Yeah, this is a one night thing, and if it's cool, maybe I'll see her again. Like you said, he's a big fish. He has options. He's He also sounds like a bit of a dick because he's 47 dating 25-year-olds and he's telling this fucking stranger about his ex-wife's uh, narcissistic oh, yeah. personality disorder. That's the mother of your children, you douchebag. So right away, we know he's an asshole, right? Like, um, at the Yeah, at the very least, he seems to... Um seems to have a, a long history with crazy ex-girlfriends. Quote, unquote. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Never, never a good sign. Right. <laughs> never a good sign. And th- this is the thing, is with attachment styles, we tend to, because I am the fearful avoidance, and we tend to be drawn to people who exacerbate this, the, the, uh, the anxiety and the maladaptive behavior indicative of the of the attachment style well that's unfortunate it, it is but so when people say why do i keep meeting such and such type of people there's a really good chance that that there's there's like a science reason why you keep doing that and it's beca- because maybe you're picking up on something like oh they're they seem really distant and that like triggers something with you i i have to i have to i have to i really want to be yeah. with that person so uh, what what I heard or what I thought was this guy always knew he was going to m- blow her off. He told her exactly what she wanted to hear. Oh, we'll go out again. Guys who are making plans after the first, like on the first date or like talking too much in the future, they're, they're always disingenuous. I never, I, I don't believe guys like that. Rarely is it is it sincere. But he has the Soho apartment and he's got the Pulitzer prizes and he's a big shot. And mm-hmm. I'm guessing she's very attractive. Uh, now, do you remember from the first letter where she, where the other letter was, she was saying, you know, I was far more attractive than him. <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah. So she's clearly very attractive. Mm-hmm. But uh, so the guy, you know, yeah, sure. Went out with her. I don't think he planned on having anything serious with her. I don't know that she necessarily talked him out of anything. Although I do think that he might have contacted her again in a couple of weeks or in a month and, hey, you know, you want to go out? And sure, no. the same thing would happen, but it wouldn't be a regular thing. She would just be added to the roster. 
so if she did anything, she lost her spot on the roster by compulsively emailing, texting, calling, da da da, like all of that. And I've done that. I have done it. I know what that's like. I know that feeling, that fearful, you know, you, the minute you feel like you're losing somebody, you grow, you hold on tighter and it does. It's, there's something that just sort of takes, like takes over and you have to get that person back or else you're like, she said, it was, it was the anxiety and all of it. And like not hearing from was, it, it was insufferable. She couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'm saying like th- when she says the anxiety, she couldn't talk, she couldn't handle it. That's when, you know, this goes deeper. And so she, the, the fact that she like kept making him call her, but here's the thing. And he was doing it. He was, which I don't really see. And this is again, why I don't like him. It's like, dude, why are you feeding into this? Because you're uh, encouraging well- her. I, well, I think in his view, this is probably probably another crazy woman. Mm-hmm. And he's attracted them. <laughs> and he's yeah. drawn to them. I, I like the part where he um, is so, so patronizing that he congratulates her for having an adult conversation. Right? <laughs> you fucking asshole. <laughs> That's very mature. Right? Oh, my God. He's so taken with himself. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Oh God, I could do this all day. So, um, yeah. So this, I think when it comes to how do you stop doing this? And if this sounds, if this, if you recognize this behavior, then what I would say to do is, uh, it starts with acknowledging the attachment style. So what I would say to do is research attachment styles and see if you, anything sounds familiar. And one thing you can do is, you know, to, to help change it is to uh, write out your own narrative. Meaning, you know, I'm like my narrative was, oh, my mother left and I was sexually abused and my sisters didn't care about me and my father was never around. And I changed it to be more, I became very resilient and I am very good at, um, like entertaining myself and I, and I don't need a lot of, I don't need a lot of, uh, extra attention. So like rechange the message a little bit, but I definitely think that this kind of behavior is, it's alarming. It's alarming. Yeah. And she's going and you can almost, I, 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 I want to be very careful when I use this word. She almost sounds manic. Uh, there's a, there's a, yeah, there's, there's a lot more to this email, um, that you did not read. (laughs) Um, and it's, the wheels are definitely spinning. Yeah. Spinning, 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 spinning. And when you say there's more that I didn't read, uh, I know this message is disjointed. Should I be dating several men? I did say that, but then I called him back to exactly, to ask him exactly where things stood. And as I mentioned, he did say it was a reasonable, healthy conversation and one that we should be having. And yeah, now she's into, now she's repeating herself. Yeah. Uh, I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing when it comes to dating because I simply haven't had much practice. The just be, and that too, right there, automatically tells me there's more to this story. That she hasn't had much practice? Right. She's 41 years old. Uh, Yeah. uh, 
But just being myself works over the phone and very well via email. I'm not insecure about my physical attractiveness or personality, but then I freeze on dates. It doesn't, and, and drink to relax. Uh, it doesn't sound like she freezes. <laughs> I don't think she no. freezes. I think she gets attached and invested too quickly because of an issue with her attachment style. Yeah, it's more like she erupts. Uh, not not like in an angry way, but like it just it all flows out. Right. Like in, in just a big squirt, like a gush. Yeah, yeah it's the, then it just becomes feelings, 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 feelings. I get it. I I agree. Uh I just yeah, like the the constant, the texting and the email and, oh, I have to correct that. And, oh, I said this and I want to make sure he knows that. When you feel yourself doing that, and that was and that was something, too, that when Don broke up with me, I was very conscious of, uh, I actually looked back on this and I was like, you know, I never contacted him. I never followed up. And, you know, he followed up with me. And like, maybe that's because I didn't do all this stuff. Like I didn't try to force it. I didn't try to make it work. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was really proud of myself for that because it just shows that like, I've been cycling through these attachment styles, probably the most, most of my life. Like you can, you can cycle through one or two. Okay. And you, (laughs) I I was going to ask you about that when you talked about changing the narrative, I, because it, it sounds like you can, like, in response to trying to correct one path, it sounds like you can go too far down another, mm-hmm. and now you're into a different sort of dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure I understand. Well, Can you give me an example? Um, yeah, because um, you were saying, um, inst- okay, so instead of being needy, you've tried to rewrite the narrative as, like, I'm resilient, and I can entertain myself, but doesn't that, if you take that to the other extreme, doesn't that sort of become a different kind of attachment style? Isn't that, yes. I forget what they're all called right. now. Th- that's, that, like and the, that's the dismissive avoidant. Right. I was going to say that's the super detached one. <laughs> right. But you, you don't have to be, co- right. I mean, in my case. Uh, but that's the extreme, obviously. That's the like extreme. Can, I was right, trying to figure out how to word that. Right. I think you're using me as an example, though. <laughs> like uh, other people, like, the po- well, I'm using I'm using your words as a as a hypothetical. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not I'm not saying that you have cycled through two different extremes. Oh no, I am. <laughs> okay, well, I'm not identifying them. I don't know what they are. Uh, I am the dismissive avoidant and the fearful avoidant, and I I should I should look into this and see what I am because I'm not sure. Oh please, you're secure. Shut up. <laughs> no, I think it. Um, I think it can vary depending on what else is going on in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Because I, I definitely have done this. I definitely have just... I, I know you disagree with my assessment that she talked him out of it or chased him away or whatever, but I think, <laughs> like you said, she might have been in the rotation. Right. I, I agree with you that she lost her She lost her spot in the roster. Yeah. By I, I don't think he ever was going to be like a boyfriend putting a Never, on it. Ever. Right. But I, I think that he at least was open to something with her mm-hmm. until, until this all went down. I right. Agree. And I, I definitely have talked people out of dating me. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I've done this. I remember, I've done it. I've done it. I can remember very clearly when I was like 27 or 28, 
when I was in the fearful avoidance stage and there was this guy that I really, really liked and we went out and we had sex and then he just kind of bailed and I immediately panicked. And it's that, you know, it's a lot of stuff. It's obviously like my abandonment issues, but it's also that, um, you know, the inconsistency, like he's, they're so attentive and then they just pull it, pull it away. Right. And then they're gone. That is so unhealthy. That push pull of I'm going to shower you with attention, but then I'm going to pull it away. People who Mm -hmm. do that, Gareth, people who do that, (laughs) they are unhealthy. They are unhealthy people. Do they know that they're doing it? I think some people do, but again, we're talking, I think, okay. Yeah. Let's keep this general. I think sometimes they're aware of it, but I think other times people, there are people who are just so lacking in self-awareness do not see like the awful things that they do and why it's hurtful. They can convince themselves like Gareth was always, well, I know how much you would, you know, you want honesty. And so I would, he thought he was doing the right thing. It's like, dude, anybody who wrote the, read this email would have heard what a dick you're being. But he didn't. Mm-hmm. He didn't because he had convinced himself that what he was doing was right. And I think some people can do that. So this guy, I just guarantee you, he's just an arrogant prick. Yeah. And didn't care. Well, I, w- I won't say didn't care. Um, he, he has options. He has options. Um, you know, he didn't, uh, he didn't like completely cut her off. He was trying to. He was trying to really be like, okay, I really want to get out of this. And she wouldn't let him. And once again, I will say, if someone seems to be canceling on you or trying to, you know, reject you, let them and walk away. Yeah. <laughs> Don't. If you feel that somebody's rejecting you, they probably are. Unless, unless you have like real anxiety issues or challenges, and this is something that you like go through all the time. If you sense that someone's pulling away or they've lost interest, they probably have. Trust your instinct um, and don't try to get them back because you won't get them back. The trying will push them away further. So what I would say to people, if if this sounds, if her behavior sounds similar, look up attachment styles, figure out which one, you know, if anything sounds familiar, and then really, I guess, look into, just look back, look back to your path. You know, to your past, because attachment styles stem from uh, like issues, maladaptive attachment styles stem from trauma. And so like if somebody died or if your parent was sick or there was divorce or you, no one was ever around or, you know, your parent went through, your parent was abusive in some way, that's trauma. Mm-hmm. And that can affect your attachment style and that will affect your relation, all your relationships going forward. Yeah. And it's completely, you can, you can fix it. You can change it. That's the great thing. What an uplifting message. <laughs> oh, we don't usually end on that kind of note. I know, right? Excuse me. Oh man. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Oh, that reminds me of my sister. Uh, it really does. Okay, whatever. So yeah, so that I'm going to post the full letter on the site so you can see it. But um, yeah, I just I'm. I think in addition, to- you you are. I'm gonna because I I think that guy is pretty identifiable. 
Oh, shit. Okay. Well, I'll I'll redact some stuff. Uh, right. But I will post it, and I'll post the link to everything else. Hey. Hey. Mm-hmm. Rate us five right. stars on iTunes. Fuck, I hate saying that. I know everybody, everyone does it. Do it or don't. It'd be great. Uh, follow us on Patreon because I'm going to start, I think, I don't know if I might put the Patreon, this this Tinder thing on Patreon or if I'm just going to do it as a bonus episode. I don't know. I'm feeling very okay. giving. Um, but this attachment style thing is, I'm going to be working on this too. That's going to be another download. So Women on Top Pod on Twitter, Women on Top Podcast on Instagram. Sarah, any yeah. any final words? Everybody, go look up your attachment style. Oh, suck it. You know what? Figure your life out. Figure your life out. Shut up. (laughs) All right, people. (laughs) Goodbye. I'm not joking. I know you're not. (laughs) Goodbye, Sarah. Bye.